The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Our thoughts and prayers go out to those who were affected by the terrorist attack in Sri Lanka. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. Several churches bombed, hundreds dead, and this was all during Easter services. They weren't Easter worshipers. They were worshiping the resurrection of Christ, which is the crux of our, uh, our faith, but I'll get into that in a little bit later. But they were worshiping and the bombing went off, and now they're saying that ISIS has taken responsibility. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, ISIS takes responsibility for everything. But there are some go-to experts who can tell you whether or not these have the markings and uh, the signs of an ISIS-style event. And some are saying it's quite possible. So it took a while to locate suspects in the, uh, uh, as far as news articles go, the name of the organization. I spent a while. I was thinking to myself, who is this? Is it ISIS? What, who is responsible? Most every single news article said, oh, it's extremist. Yeah, it's just extremists. You know, they're just extreme. You know, it's like the, the loaded nachos or whatever. It's extreme. And you're like, ah, that tells me nothing. Why would I know the markings of what happened? A Christian holiday, the holiest Christian observance, the observance and the celebration, the resurrection of Yeshua, the Christ. Yeah, that's probably something uh, an Islamic terrorist wouldn't be too down with. And we just had the burning of the cathedral in Notre Dame, and a lot of people still are saying that that wasn't terrorist related. I still don't know how that happened. I've seen mixed reviews. A lot of people saying that there was renovations being done and that the fires ignited from that. A lot of people said it was burning hours before anyone even noticed in the middle while people were still in mass. Now, it's around Holy Week. It's kind of kind of bizarre. But, you know, we still don't know. But at the same time, when you see bombings on Easter Sunday, most likely I would say that's an Islamic militant uh, attack. But then we finally, after digging and digging, and not to mention that they also, in all the news articles, blamed it on the ripple effects of a civil war that ended a long time ago, and we find out that 87 other detonators were discovered, which was really amazing. We find out the name of the organization. And we also find out that Sri Lanka's intelligence was warned 10 days before the Easter attacks. The prime minister, Ranil, man, I don't like these, these names. Worshamishki, I, I don't even know. <laughs> Just roll with it on that. Just know that that's the Sri Lankan prime minister. He said the nation's intelligence services had received warnings about a possible suicide bombing at prominent churches 10 days before the attack. He told reporters the warning to Sri Lanka's police hadn't been acted upon 
and that the information had just been passed to him. We must look also into why adequate precautions were not taken, he said. The intelligence information had been sent to the country's top officers. Foreign intelligence agencies have now noted that they were planning to carry out suicide attacks targeting prominent churches as well as the Indian High Commission in Colombo. And that's where they found the 87 detonators in Colombo. Now, what's even crazier is in the Independent, the UK Independent, this was back on April 12th. Counter-terror police arrest four men at Luton Airport. Four men have been arrested at Luton Airport by counter-terror police on suspicion of being members of a banned organization. I wonder what a banned organization would be. The men, all Sri Lankan nationals, arrived on an international flight and were arrested the following day. Scotland Yard said they are currently being held in custody at a police station a uh, spokesman said police at the airport were made aware of the men the next day and subsequently stopped them under the Schedule 7 of the Terrorism Act of 2000. So, uh, yeah, Sri Lanka's got an issue going on there. A banned organization, nationals. Um, come to find out, it's an actual organization entitled National Thawith Jamal. And they, and every single news article says a little known radical Islamic group with help from international militants. Now that's the part that's, that stuck out to me. And they said they carried out this because of what happened in New Zealand at the Christchurch. Sri Lanka Easter bombings were carried out by a radical Islamic group in retaliation to Christchurch mosque and the attacks that happened during that that incident. And so what do we know about national Thawith Jamal? I would say they probably had help from international groups. The New York times has locals blamed for Sri Lanka attacks, but the suspects international network may be larger reaching. Sri Lankan officials said the coordinated bombings on churches and hotels across the country on Easter Sunday had been carried out by National Thawith Jamaf, a little-known radical Islamic group with help from international militants. The Sri Lankan health minister blamed the group at a news conference in Colombo at the capital, saying there was an international network without which these attacks could not have succeeded. The government announced that it was asking other countries for help in uncovering international links that it was assuming emergency powers in order to investigate the attacks. That's when they banned social media. And so everybody knows ISIS may have been minimized. Of course, if you follow my show, you know we get into ISIS in Syria. We know Syria, the boondoggle that that is. We can, we're going to do a show here soon commemorating the one-year anniversary of the chemical attacks and what the United Nations put out as the real information behind who was responsible for the attacks. And guess what? We were 100% correct. It was not Bashar al-Assad. It was the militants. And they gassed the people, and the blame was shifted to Assad. And then the Western countries decided to come in and start bombing airfields and, and what have you. And that allowed Israel, which was a good thing, to go in and start dismantling Iran's network of bases within Syria. So I'm going to get into some interesting 
accounts by individuals who are knowledgeable on ISIS and how ISIS could be the international group. There's also story of ISIS in Congo, in New Delhi. There's, I mean, ISIS has grown outside of just what's happening in Syria and maybe in parts of Iraq. So we have to look at the fact that there's more to it. There is some sort of international support. And if you ever follow Rukmini, I'm sorry, I always butcher her name. She, uh, I think she's with Washington Post. And Washington Post, yeah, they suck. But she is actually very knowledgeable. I think she's responsible for the, uh, the Caliphate podcast. I think she's on that show. And she did a whole expose on how support, logistics, uh, resources, how they're all provided by an international network for terrorist suicide bombers, what have you, where they can go pick up the items needed, the logistical information, and it, it makes it easier for them to conduct their activities without pinpointing it directly on somebody that can be discovered. So what we have to look at is, what we have to look at is they they want to minimize this national Thoeth Jamath group, but I mean eight bombings? That's unbelievable. That is, I mean, that's you have to be on your game. Now uh, Rita Katz, she is from Insight. Uh, it's it's a foreign policy think tank. She had an interesting uh, thread that I want to read. Hundreds killed, hundreds more wounded in Easter blast at Sri Lankan churches. While no group has yet claimed responsibility, targeting Christians is a staple of ISIS attack directives, not to mention past attacks in places like Egypt. To that point, ISIS supporters are already celebrating the attacks as revenge for the military campaign against the group. Just like the massacre of mosques, it is eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Yeah, this is from Insight into, or the Site Intelligence Group. I'm sorry, I always botch that one. While Sri Lanka has indeed been mentioned with ISIS chatter, along with members from Sri Lanka, touted as being within the group's ranks, the country has never been a prominent staple of incitements and recruitment to the like of other nations. Though clear who responsible, or though unclear who, who is responsible and if foreigners were involved, Sri Lanka would be an easy accessible for regional ISIS supporters. Southeast Asia, mostly Philippines and Indonesia, seen surge of central coordinated ISIS activity via East Asia province. Would thus not be surprising if that were the case. Furthermore, today's bombings, albeit far more deadly, Mere January 2019's bombings on the Roman Catholic Church in Jolo, Sulu, and the Philippines, which ISIS claim responsibility for. ISIS online networks do hold Sri Lanka-fitting media, and Tamil being among the languages ISIS media is translated to. Such translations are cross-promoted across other groups and channels in various languages, further connecting Tamil speakers to the larger ISIS community. Worth noting that after the Christchurch attack in New Zealand, Al-Qaeda leadership instructed to target the Crusader fighters in their bases and gathering centers, but further ordered not to attack in their churches or places of worship. At this point, ISIS channels, they were posting rampantly, praying may Allah accept the attackers, celebrating casualties, etc. 
are clearly paving a way for ISIS to claim responsibility, which now we know that they did. She put this out a couple of days ago. While such a claim may frame the op or the operation as a revenge for New Zealand, this was likely planned long before. Clarification, there was an infographic in a previous tweet that was disseminated by ISIS supporters, but it wasn't credited to them. So if you happen to go online and see that, that's what that uh, infographic is, talking about how they, uh, uh, ISIS could be claiming responsibility. Aspects of the Sri Lanka blast increasingly suggest ISIS involvement. Sri Lanka now attributing yesterday's attacks to national Thawif Jamath, a local Islamic organization, but add that an international network also played a part. Other elements likewise suggest ISIS involvement. Sri Lanka, warned by international intel agencies, further indicating involvement of global network. Scale of blast is beyond abilities of the local groups. National Thawith Jamath has no history of significant terror attacks. Furthermore, recruiting from existing extremist groups and movements, be it National Thawith Jamath or another, in a given region is exactly how ISIS established a global network as seen in places like Somalia, Afghanistan, Pakistan with the Taliban, West Africa with Boko Haram. All of these elements, alongside what remains an ongoing campaign celebration uh, by ISIS supporters online, suggest that the group will claim responsibility. Perhaps the only delay thus far may be that more bombs are still being found. ISIS-linked chat groups distributed pics allegedly, of the Commando brothers in Sri Lanka, noting that ISIS-affiliated banner behind them in the photos. The source of the pictures is unclear, though they are not issued through official ISIS outlets. If these are actually pictures of the attackers, though I stress again that these images are not verified as being from ISIS, the use of the ISIS-associated black banner instead of any other local organization's banner would make further indication of its roles in the attacks. Through its AMAC agency, ISIS claimed credit for the Easter Day bombings in Sri Lanka, citing security source to AMAC agency, which is the ISIS newsletter or information source. The executors of the attack that targeted citizens of coalition states and Christians in Sri Lanka two days ago were with ISIS. ISIS-linked communication channels are disseminating the Tamil translation of the AMAC claim for the Sri Lanka attacks. Not surprising, given that Tamil is among the languages ISIS used to translate as she spoke about further or, and earlier. This AMAC report does not in and itself indicate that ISIS was actively behind the attack. The language in this statement is also typical of ISIS-inspired attacks as well. It, it will be thus crucial to see if an official communique by ISIS will be released. Mention of Christians not typical of AMAC statements gives further implication of a post New Zealand attack uh, retaliation, or retaliation branding. Furthermore, really takes a free ride on coalition label. Though some casualties of coalition countries, Sri Lanka is not a coalition member. ISIS released an official claim from the Sri Lanka attacks, providing details of the ops, naming seven executors and indicating approximately a thousand among the killed and wounded. The statements identified the seven attackers as Abu. Ubaid, Abu al-Makar, Abu Khalil, Abu Hamaz, Abu al-Barara, Abu Muhammad, and Abu Abdullah. These of the seven names are consistent with the images appearing of the attackers. 
The detail given in ISIS communique, the attackers' names, where each of them were attacked, shows that the group had a hand in the attack. The degree to which still remains to be seen. The group's delay in claiming is also unanswered variably. Interesting, ISIS AMAC agency released a photo of Sri Lankan attackers showing eight attackers while the ISIS official claim mentioned seven. She finishes up by saying, ISIS AMAC news agency releases a 59-second video showing the Sri Lanka attackers pledging to ISIS leader Abu Bakar al-Baghdadi. The video shows eight men pledging together, led by Zaran Hashim, the suspected mastermind of the attacks. So it's safe to assume that ISIS may have played a tremendous hand in this event. And ISIS global reach is really stunning. And we're going to get into some of that, like what's happening in Africa, the Congo, what's, you know, the Philippines. People don't realize that just because ISIS may have been beaten back in Syria, which they're starting to gain ground, we'll bring that up too. ISIS has expanded beyond Syria. Now, Sri Lanka's president has asked the country's police chief and defense secretary to resign, according to two uh, sources close to the president. Yeah, I'd say that was probably a good idea. I mean, how do you miss something that, how do you overlook something as crazy as a threat like they got? The Toronto Sun said as suicide bombers exploded, hundreds died. Top officials and government ministers unashamedly admitted the warning never reached them. And therefore, no action was taken to prevent the Islamic group from carrying out their mass murder. If Nero was caught napping in Colombo, the reaction around the world by the media, TV consultants, as well as Canadian and other Western politicians would be tepid, if not dismal. Almost no one dared to mention the word Christian let alone identify the terrorist as Muslim or Islamist or whatever safe word they could that they could find in the politically correct dictionary that only the chattering classes employ. Using ordinary plain English to describe the atrocities would, of course, open one to be labeled a white nationalist or Islamophobe. It's no wonder the trio of America's living liberal saints, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Elizabeth Warren all use the phrase Easter worshipers instead of Christians. It is almost as if the C word was beneath them. And that was a talking point that a lot of people brought up. Julian Castro, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, Easter worshipers? It's not like we're going down to the Mall of America, standing in line, and we're going to give our sacraments to the camera lady so that we can take our kids in front of the almighty altar of the Easter Bunny and get down and worship as we sit on his lap and scare the living crap out of every two-year-old toddler that goes in for a photo opportunity in the middle of the mall. They weren't doing that. They weren't egg hunting and using that moment to become one with their creator. They were worshiping the, cre- the, the resurrection of the living Christ. But, you know, that's, that's the left for you, you know? Others, like Alan Keenan of the International Crisis Group, which we covered uh, somebody from that group, claim the real victims of Sri Lanka attacks could end up being the broader Muslim community targeted in the wake of the attack, irrespective of the fact uh, their co-religionist 
carried out the bloodbath. Here are the words of the suicide bomber Mohammed Zarahan from his YouTube channel, where he declares it is a sin to live in Dar al-Kurf, a country with a non-Muslim majority. And even if a Kurf, which is a non-Muslim, does good things, I hate him because he is a non-believer. That was all in Islam. Such hate must not be dormant traits among ordinary Muslims, but as one. I am aware where such hate is planted in our minds. 17 times a day, every Muslim child at every mosque in every country hears the imam read a prayer. Whereas Islam's foundation is based on Taweed, which is uh, invoking the name of the Sri Lankan terrorist group, which means strict monotheism. That means one God, not, you know, three and one is Christians uh, view with the, you know, God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It's exact opposite of the concept of Shriek, the Christian belief in the Trinity. No amount of interfaith dialogue can bridge the zeal of the Muslim to answer the call to end the shirk from the surface of the earth. And so <laughs> that's what we were dealing with, with this situation and how the press is and how the politicians, they were all just calling it Easter worshipers. And they weren't looking at the fact that this is something bigger than that. Now, Rukimi from, uh, from Washington Post, she went through and kind of laid out some things about this attack. She said, remember, because she's an expert on ISIS and uh, Islamist extremism. Remember that ISIS considers both directed attacks, meaning ones carried out by combatants they dispatch, and inspired attacks, meaning killings carried out by people inspired by their ideology, to be equally part of the war arsenal. Both in their eyes are legitimate. The reason the intelligence agencies believe the Sri Lanka attack is the handiwork of an international jihadist organization is because of its sheer sophistication. Six sites in three cities hit by seven suicide bombers. Nearly all the explosive charges went off with deadly effect. Even the attackers who were dispatched directly from Syria to attack in Paris in 2015 were not as deadly. The suicide bomber who entered Paris uh, in uh, Campur Voltaire killed only himself. The death toll in the Paris from uh, a Paris attack from uh, 10 attackers was 130. Sri Lanka was 321. Carrying out a level of murder means that the cell had talented bomb makers. We've seen numerous directed ISIS plots where the attackers couldn't cook the explosives, including in Hyderabad. A plot of this nature involving at least seven suicide bombers means this was no small cell. Imagine the backup you would need. Who drove the attackers to the sites? The safe houses? What did they use? Not hard to imagine the core group realized a dozen or more support staff. So this was something that was highly coordinated, most likely by an international conglomerate, and was done before the attack in New Zealand. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. Sri Lanka got hit very, very hard by a coordinated effort by an ISIS group that has basically extended outside of Iraq and outside of Syria, and they have made themselves more global. And obviously this attack was something planned before New Zealand based on what we're seeing from ISIS. But a lot of people are saying, well, you know, they're just saying that just because they're trying to use New Zealand as a, a way to show, well, the, the Islamist and the Muslims that were praying at the mosque in New Zealand at Christchurch were attacked. So we're going to attack in response. Really, this was a coordinated attack before a response. 
but it can't be understated what's going on with ISIS because ISIS is actually moving in a lot of directions. You know, in Syria, they've only been beaten back to the point where they've gone underground. Charles Lister says, Reports tonight suggest ISIS has captured the town of Al-Qam, north of Al-Shunka in Syria's Badia, from the Assad regime. A number of ISIS operations have been reported around Kobeheb, Al-Shul, and Al-Sunka in recent weeks. The ISIS resurgent campaign in Syria and Iraq is gaining momentum. This is from ISW. Read the new assessment, and they've got a link to it. 32 Sri Lankan Muslims from well-educated and elite families have joined the Islamic State in Syria. The Sri Lankan justice minister told Parliament in 2016, and there's a Reuters article that accompanies that. So you've got people from Sri Lanka joining the fight in Syria. You've got Syrian Islamic cells. You know, we had uh, al-Nusra, we had ISIS. You've got them making a comeback. And you've got the fact that many of these cells across the world, or even those who are lone jihadis who end up in contact with ISIS through different means of communication. Some use the Telegram app. Um, In fact, one of the uh, communique that they had, this is what it says. This is something from uh, Rumkini from Washington Post. She uh, posted it and says, attack in Sri Lanka, the deadliest attack Dalwa carried out since the declaration of the caliphate in 2014. Crusaders have explicitly stated that their aim in taking away Dalwa's territory in Iraq and Asham is to prevent it from having safe haven to plan and execute attacks. Well, the biggest attack happened without any territory, so you failed. So basically what happens is those who get contact or get in contact with ISIS ISIS provides the support. She did a full article, and it's pinned on her profile, where she uh, basically talks about how individuals who maybe they want to do loan attacks or what have you, and they have a way of contacting those with the ISIS network, that ISIS will provide the logistics, put the weapons out there, you know, they give you the, the directions. All of that stuff is factored in. And we can't underestimate the reach that they're having in other areas. ISIS has moved into Congo. Believe it or not, this is from Long War Journal. ISIS claims attack in the Democratic Republic of Congo, which happened a couple weeks ago, was by them. The Islamic State has claimed its first official attack in the Democratic Republic of Congo in a statement released by AMAC News, which is the ISIS newsletter, earlier today. Now, I don't have a subscription to the ISIS newsletter, You know, they they don't leave it on my front driveway where I drive over it like the other newspapers that I basically use to uh, to train my my puppy, you know, my Frenchton. Members of the Congolese army were killed and wounded in an attack in the village of Kamango near the borders of Congo and Uganda. The Islamic State said in a statement, while it's not immediately clear an attack took place in Kamango, local media has reported that Islamist forces targeted civilians near the town in recent days. So they have moved into Congo. We know Boko Haram has worked with ISIS. We know that ISIS has moved into other areas, I believe even the Uyghurs in China. So, But, you know, we can't look at religion on the left as being something that is the cause. In fact, we got to go a step further and we have to elevate 
you know, everything about the Islamic faith. And we also have to minimize it when it's about Christianity. That's what they do. I mean, listen to this. This is a, a tale of two attacks and the analysis. New York Post analysis. New Zealand reminds us that far right attacks are on the rise everywhere, including the U.S. So, you know, a mosque in New Zealand gets attacked. It's far right. Another Washington Post. The Notre Dame fire, the cathedral of Notre Dame that burns to the ground, ignites the West's far right. So that was a far right response. Perspective. How the far right spread politically convenient lies about the Notre Dame fire. And then the Washington Post. This is about Sri Lanka. Analysis. Sri Lanka church bombing stoke far right anger in the West. So basically, if you're far right, you're the reason. Jared Notler, he was, do you remember that band, Marcy Playground, that awful band from the 90s? Osmil Six and Candy, yeah. Yeah, he tweeted out, repeat after me, Christians equal bigots, Christians equal morons, Christians equal fake, Christianity equals thin disguise for racism, Christianity equals hateful and false superiority. Yeah, that's how much they, they really love the Easter worshipers. Hillary Clinton had her response that said, on this holy weekend of many faiths, because many faiths are worshiping the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, we must stand united against hatred and violence. I'm praying for everyone affected by today's horrific attacks on the Easter worshipers. I mean, it's, I mean you can go down the list. Jared Paulus said, heartbreaking to learn about the attacks on the tourists and Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka. Greg Stanton the horrific attack on Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka is heartbreaking. Mayor Brian Bowman, deeply saddened to learn about the attacks on Easter worshipers. Of course, Barack Obama, the attacks on tourists and Easter worshipers in Sri Lanka are attacks on humanity. Julian Castro, on a day of redemption and hope, the evil attacks on Easter worshipers and tourists in Sri Lanka is deeply saddening. Ami Barada, MD, I am deeply saddened over the horrific acts of violence against Easter worshipers. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going, not realizing we're not worshiping, you know, bunnies and rabbits. But Hillary Clinton, in her response to what was happening with everything in, uh, in, in New Zealand, she was very, very outspoken about the Muslim faith and how she was really worried about how this would be perceived. But Rolling Stone, talking about the Notre Dame Cathedral, this is what architects were saying. The building was so overburdened with meaning that its burning feels like an act of liberation. We talked to architects and historians about the significance of Notre Dame and what should happen next. We talked to architects and historians about the significance of Notre Dame after the fire. The building was so overburdened with meaning that its burning feels like an act of liberation. Basically saying that they've liberated the building from Christian themes. <laughs> it's a it's a Christian cathedral. It's unbelievable how these leftists. They, oh yeah, David Leavitt. He is an activist writer. He works with CBS, Axios, Yahoo, Examiner. He tweeted about Easter. Happy Zombie Jesus Day. Easter Resurrection Sunday. And he's got a zombie. Uh, supposedly dressed like Jesus, holding a bag of eggs. They don't have any respect for Christianity whatsoever. But they're supposedly the moral ones in the room. 
They always think that they're more moral than anybody else. Look at this, Andy West. There is no excuse for the terror attacks against innocent people, but as a journalist, I saw Western children missionaries unscrupulously converting Buddhist orphans for food and shelter after the Asian tsunami. Don't send your prayers. He goes on to say, most, though not all, of those good Christian soldiers, which he's mocking in quotes, though they were doing God's work, they thought they were doing God's work. Perhaps we should forgive people their delusions, but trying to press one religion onto another by brainwashing desperate children is a Western tradition that only leads to misery. Quote, religion is an insult to human dignity. With or without it, you would have good people doing good things and evil people doing evil things, but for good people to do evil things, that takes religion. He quotes Weinberg. And so come the aggressive, abusive zealots on his Twitter feed. Yep. He says, so prayers aren't needed. In fact, prayers are proven beyond doubt to have no effect. What might help, however, is ending the Western campaign to convert people of other religions in exchange for charity. What a douche. <laughs> All right. But it's instructive. It's instructive as to how they will not recognize this being a religious war. They will always give excuses to the Islamic side because they can use that as a battering ram against the Christianity they hate. That's why you see the LGBT community, which is despised by Islam, joining up with Islam because it's a big middle finger to Christianity. Remember, they booed God three times. You know, you've got uh, Peter Buttigieg out there. He's going to run around and claim he's more Christian than others, mostly Mike Pence, while he's also committing what is in Christianity as a sin. You would think that guy was running for vice president with how much Mike Pence is on his mind. But realize their religion is paganism. Their religion is environmentalism. Their church is the government. It's unbelievable the treatment that they had where they went on and on with New Zealand, who got great new gun laws out of the deal. But the way that they looked at Sri Lanka and the way that they looked at the Notre Dame Cathedral, just completely the opposite. So we know environmentalism is the progressives' religion. They despise Christianity. That's why they couldn't bring themselves to understand what was actually being worshipped. It wasn't just Easter. But they also side with Islam. And they know this because Islam is laser-focused on Christianity, yet they don't want to recognize that aspect, or at least publicly they don't. Maybe they do. Maybe that's, maybe that's why they always side with them, because these attacks wouldn't happen, or we could address them more properly if we understood the motivation. I mean, we come to find out that the attackers in Sri Lanka were families, they were part of families of millionaires. So it's not jobs. It's not their lack of jobs that's causing them to become radicalized. So we had the Easter of the left, Earth Day. Oh, yes, Earth Day, the Easter of the left. And it's funny because the founder of Earth Day has an interesting story about him. Ira Einhorn, yeah, they found him guilty of murdering his ex-girlfriend and stuffing her composted body in a locker. And I don't mean to laugh about that, but it shows how ridiculous these people are. Maybe that was his way of kicking off Earth Day with a sort of Easter-ish resurrection. 
You know, it takes death and resurrection in Christ, in Christianity, for salvation. Maybe he was trying to mimic that on Earth Day. I don't know. We're going to establish the day. I'm going to sacrifice my girlfriend. And the reason why he did was because apparently she broke up with him and he was enraged. He threatened to throw her belongings out into the street if she didn't come by and get them. Um, When she went by to retrieve them back on September 9th, 1977, she was never seen again. They found reddish-brown, foul-smelling liquid leaking from the ceiling directly below Einhorn's bedroom closet in which the body was stuffed in styrofoam with air fresheners and newspapers, according to NBC. So maybe they were hoping that sacrifice to the earth would kick off environmentalism. I don't know. But these people are insane. I mean, if you don't think that this is some sort of uh, religion, you should see what people say about some of the things that they, uh, they stand for. This is from Jeff Perlman. And he said, just a tweet from a guy I know, annou- announcing how excited he and his wife are to be having child number six. Does there come a point when, in the name of Earth's survival and limited resources, we're allowed to say, hmm... I don't know, man. Oh, yeah. They're all about telling you what to do. They're all about making sure that you adhere to their demands because they don't want to jeopardize their, you know, their shrine. Look at Mayor Bill de Blasio. William Wilhelm, the Groundhog Slayer. Communist Mayor Bill de Blasio, um, when he was talking about the... Provisions that New York City has to address climate change, because they're going to go ahead and do it whether uh, the, the federal government's on board or not. Just listen to his proposal. So, so talk about uh, New York's Green New Deal. Obviously, the one presented in Congress has actually caused a rift even among Democrats. What are you doing in New York City? How does that provide a roadmap for Democrats and independents and some progressive or forward-thinking Republicans nationwide. We're actually making the Green New Deal come alive here in New York City. So we have our own Green New Deal. It's three very basic ideas. One, uh, the biggest source of emissions in New York City is buildings. We're putting clear, strong mandates, the first of any major city on the earth, to say to building owners, you got to clean up your act, you got to retrofit, you got to save energy. If you don't do it by 2030, there will be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings. And this mandate is going to guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers, which are incredibly inefficient. If someone wants to build one of those things, they can take a whole lot of steps to make it energy efficient, but we're not going to allow what we used to see in the past. Uh, And the city of New York, the government, which uses about as much energy in a, a year as do the people and the businesses of the state of Vermont, we are going to get all of our energy from renewable sources in the next five years. So Mayor de Blasio is going to ban classic glass and steel skyscrapers. He's going to demand that you build them a certain way or even go back and retrofit them. You know, they're going to ban all types of things. They don't want you to have children, you know, because you're going to take up resources. And there's some other things that de Blasio wants to ban. Check this out. This is actually from KFI News. New York City to ban hot dogs and processed meats to improve the climate. Mayor Bill de Blasio approved an ambitious $14 billion Green New Deal on Earth Day to combat climate change. The plan will 
cut the purchases of red meat by 50% in his city-controlled facilities, such as hospitals, schools, correctional facilities. The new commitment builds off of Meatless Mondays, the campaign that was adopted by all New York schools back in 2017. He says it's a difficult plan. It's a necessary plan. Estimates tell us that we only have 12 years to get it right. Who is coming up with the 12-year plan other than the United Nations? Again, that's where this is going. That's why it's such a crisis because they're trying they couldn't push that ball across the finish line with Obama although they were inching it. They got pushed back when Trump was put into office and next thing you know, they're freaking out about it. And Trump gets out there and trolls these people. And like he did Amy Klobuchar and basically mocks them for their stupidity and for their, you know, their fraud, their fraudulency. She gets out there in a blizzard and addresses climate change as one of her platform (laughs) items. And Trump tweets about it. Listen to Amy Klobuchar go off about it. Because Donald Trump likes to divert you every single day, right? You know what he does. He sends out a tweet to try to control the message. Well, when he did that to me, when I announced my candidacy in the middle of a blizzard, and he made fun of me for talking about climate change, by the way, happy Earth Day, when he made fun of me, when he made fun of me for doing that, I said, uh, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. And so she makes the point, the science is on our side. Well, you know what? The science really isn't on your side. You think it is. The science of basically fooling everybody and pulling the wool over their eyes, that's on your side. I mean, you've got half of young Americans say climate change is a crisis requiring urgent action. Where would they have gotten that idea? From the same news media that told you you weren't getting a tax break when actually you did get a tax break? You know, they were able to perpetuate that lie. And what's even better about this entire thing is the fact that from the Washington Free Beacon report, Green New Deal would have no effect on climate. The Green New Deal would have essentially no effect on global warming, a new report argues, while imposing enormous economic and social costs. The report, authored by the American uh, Enterprise Institute's Benjamin Zyker, analyzes the likely impacts of the Green New Deal as outlined by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in her proposed resolution calling for such a program. To his account, the Green New Deal is a set of proposals, some more more or less vague than others, designed to cut U.S. greenhouse gas emissions to zero by 2050. Doing so, proponents argue, would actually boost the economy. The second goal of of economic acceleration, he writes, is a broken windows argument, depending (laughs) as it does on the idea that destroying existing carbon-intensive capital goods would add to, rather than subtract from, the wealth in the economy. It is not to be taken seriously, he writes. The first goal, net zero emissions by 2050, also suffers from serious flaws, in large part because the United States only accounts for a fraction of the global greenhouse gas emissions today. What about China? No one ever mentions China. China's out there looking like they're they're wearing SARS masks. They're in pea-thick soup smog. You can't even see five feet in front of you. They're okay. We're not going to call them out. It's only America who has the most efficient companies in in the globe operating here but here's the kicker to it all mayor de blasio who i guess is now you're not going to be able to go to coney island and have a nathan's hot dog 
He's going to be snacking. His fat ass will be mowing down some Gwaltneys, but you won't be able to have some when you're out, out on vacation, Coney Island, Meatless uh, Memorial Day on Meatless May, and maybe it's on Meatless Monday. You won't be able to eat meat because he's banning it for climate change. But listen to this fraud talk about his carbon footprint. You talk a lot about some of the things you do your whole life. You recycle. You make, yep. um, your staff has said you go around City Hall turning off lights and so yes. on. Um, but I also do need to ask, uh, you live on the Upper East Side in Gracie Mansion. Uh, most days, or several days a week, a city uh, SUV drives you 11 miles to a gym in Brooklyn, as opposed to one that's close to where you currently reside. Uh, what sort of environmentally responsible example are you setting there, taking this drive in a car, as opposed to going someplace nearby? So the example we're setting first and foremost, let's, let's look at this exact question before us. The plans we have put forward we're acting on will reduce emissions 30% in all of New York City by 2030. Uh, that's where we make huge change. Uh, to the question you ask, look, wherever I go in New York City, whether I take a subway, whether I go nearby or farther away to another borough, uh, I have a security detail that follows me in their cars either way. So let's be clear, this is just part of my life. I, I come from that neighborhood in Brooklyn. Uh, that's my home. I go there on a regular basis to stay connected to where I come from and not be in the bubble that I think for a lot of politicians is a huge problem. Uh, but the fact is that those cars and that security detail are part of the life of being mayor in New York City. <laughs> Listen to that. He's like, well, you know, uh, that's I, that's how I have to live because I'm mayor. I'm freaking king. You know, I'm up in the uh, Upper West Side in my mansion and I get to drive around with security detail because I'm that kind of special guy. And actually, there's zero pushback from the guy interviewing him. The MSNBC interviewer doesn't even say, uh, do you see how fraudulent you look? You know, de Blasio is allowed to live that lifestyle because he was anointed as such. And you're not allowed to have more than so many kids, which is a Chinese policy. You're not allowed to use up the resources. You're not allowed to have a freaking hot dog from Coney Island because of the fact that you might be destroying the environment. Now, he can muscle down some big, what, big eights? You know, he can muscle down some, a pack of Gwaltneys because he's okay. He was elected mayor. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo 50 Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to Mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. You can also listen to us on the weekends, Saturday, 5 p.m., Sunday morning, midnight. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, Tune In iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parlor convo snippy search adrian slade follow us on twitter at rants out loud or at adrian slade show which is the official show page on twitter and you can also read the blog adriansladeshow.com you can also get the adrian slade show roku channel in your streaming store on the roku streaming channel store be sure to download the adrian slade show roku channel we'll see you guys next time thanks for tuning in